0: And one of us, but no one knows who, is a fox to the power of infinity. Now the fox is a sly spirit, a thief who steals at night. But he doesn't just steal what he needs. Oh no. The fox is ruthless. He'll kill all the chickens and leave nothing for anybody else. Because he's a waster. A selfish waster. And whoever has the fox spirit Mustn't listen to him when he whispers Go on. I dare you. Steal more food. Because the fox wants to be the boss and take you over. So whoever has the fox spirit Mustn't listen to him must go to someone strong like amber who's lioness to the power of ten to help them keep the fox at bay welcome to episode
1: 31 of conversational Eagle mountain a podcast about the tribe i'm your host lance and joining me on the podcast panel today is liz hello sabine hi and carlin hello with episode notes done by matt and myself so episode 31, the screenplay was done by Valerie Jordson. It was directed by Lawrence Wilson. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Carlin.
2: A lot of food has gone missing and people are starting to notice. Sasha is becoming more and more of a favourite amongst the mall rats, including Amber. Bray, however, isn't nearly as keen as Sasha's presence. With Dale now back... And in tight with Jack, KC is beginning to feel left out. Meanwhile, as Ryan finally agrees to write Lex's vows for him, Xandra tries to convince Amber to officiate their ceremony. And Celine may have finally met her match when her bulimia sets her off on a mission to find more food, leading her to stumble upon what appears to be an abandoned warehouse. Fun!
1: I got bitten this morning by a demon dog, Mm. call
0: that fun. Bitten? Poor Bray.
1: So we kick off this episode with Bray foraging for food in what he soon finds out is the new headquarters of the demon dogs. And it's actually the third we've seen from them so far after the graveyard and the warehouse. With the trials becoming increasingly territorial over resources, Bray himself admits that he's having to travel further and further to find provisions. Um, Yeah, panel, how effective do you think this scene is and the episode in general in showing just how dire the food situation has become. Um, I think it's really great.
3: I was actually thinking about that watching this episode. Um, just that insight. We've just like you said, this is the third place we've seen the demon dogs take over. So at first you should think they're a city tribe. But then you realize they have warehouses full of food. And now they're actually taking over farms in the countryside full of food. Um, everybody is aware that they need food. It doesn't help, you know, we also had the tribal gathering where Ebony even mentions that it's getting harder to trade with people because there's bad blood between the tribes. Food is definitely becoming an issue for these kids. You can only scavenge what exists for so long, and these kids have been in charge of the city for so long, it's no surprise that the tinned food is gone. And so even if a tribe like the demon dogs have to take over a farm, that says a lot. And you'll... You'll get some insight later on uh, In season 2 That other tribes also They have to have a farm They have to grow their own food Mm -hmm. Despite how they responded to Amber Saying that at the tribal gathering The smart tribes The ones that manage to stay on top For as long as they do They recognize that yes We have to grow it We have to find some place We have to get fresh food Um, So yeah I mean Seeing Bray The different places he has to Scavenge for it Um yeah, the the warehouse probably isn't a place you can go anymore. And uh, so I, I thought it was it was a very good insight to yes, it's becoming an issue for everybody.
2: I, I agree. It's definitely the bigger tribes really have the resources and are learning to now reproduce. And um I think you see that now with especially in season one with the farm girls, demon dogs, and definitely the tribe circus with the uh their whole um casino that they have and able to keep things circulating whether whether if it's uh different items people have to trade and whatnot or whatnot mm. so yeah I, I think pretty much these tribes are learning or at least the bigger tribes are learning that you have to farm you have to have something to reproduce in order to survive
4: i do find an interesting insight you know, that the demon dogs keep moving and um, they just keeps having happening to stumble upon their new hideout, their new location for food.
3: They have a lot of territory. Yeah, true. It, it seems like there's just a lot of places the demon dogs claim <laughs> as their own.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think at this time, I think the two biggest tribes in the entire city were the demon dogs and the, and the locos. So, so I mean, that's probably happy.
4: why. Yeah, and they do have a lot of mouths to feed.
3: Interestingly enough, we never see a a farm run by the locos. Like, they don't seem to have ever claimed one. Um, It seems like Ebony would rather do business with farmers Mm -hmm. and have them bring her things rather than have any of her people working on a farm. But tribes like the Demon Dogs recognize it's easier to just do it themselves. And, you know, I mean, they clearly didn't plant this food. They found a farm and said, this is ours because there's food growing here. But I do think that's interesting that we never see her do that with the Locos. But other tribes are willing to. Because even the gulls in season two have a tribal farm. So that, that's interesting right there.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the other tribes cut out the middleman. whereas he keeps having to make deals with people. mm yeah, she never, she's not ever willing to put
3: her workers to any kind of hard labor, even if it would benefit her.
4: Yeah, I wonder if that's not just because um, they feel that such stuff is beneath them.
3: It's possible, you know, considering how many people like, bristled against the, even the idea of having to work their own land. Mm-hmm. But the smartest tribes were like, dude, you know, we need fresh food. So,
4: And it's so much easier if you don't have to go through the hassle of making deals with people.
3: Mm -hmm. Very true Because you're dependent on traders coming in and out In in and out of the city And they have to feel safe enough to come in and out of the city Mm -hmm. So there's so many deals you have to make with people And all it takes is one problem on the supply train And then there's no more food coming in But if you have your own farm that you're tending yourself, you don't have to worry about that. And that would be the smartest thing to do. If I was in this situation, I would definitely find a farm that was already producing food and, you know, obviously continue planting. But yeah, that's the smartest thing you can do in a situation like this. And then just set it up. Like the only thing the demon dogs do wrong is they're really bad at guarding their stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Somehow they're always inside or just not there. Or drunk, or drunk. <laughs> now, you guys claim a lot of territory.
3: You you need to put more guard posts up.
0: <laughs> okay, Sasha, hand over the rest of the food. Sure, As good as new, uh, apart from the tomato. <laughs> Sorry about that. The tins, where are they? I didn't take any tins, just the veg. Quit fooling. I'm not. Oh no. What's up? The store has been raided
1: again. Um. Yeah. On the subject of um fresh food, as much as I like Sasha, I, how completely irresponsible was it to, for him to play with all the fresh food during story time with the kids? Um. You know, especially knowing everything that was going on with food, food and supplies.
3: I guess he just didn't assume anything would happen to the food. Like they're just going to play it with it. They're not going to mangle it. Um. They're just He's treating them as puppets So he's thinking, oh, the only thing you have to do Is wash them after we're done So he sees it as harmless play You know, until the tomato hits the floor And he's like, oh, I'm sorry <laughs>
4: Yeah, but they putting things into it Things will spoil quicker if you do that
3: Yeah, I don't think he's thinking about that um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't think about Some fresh food, I mean, like, for example I wouldn't play with a banana, because they bruise easily mm. Like an apple, but I wouldn't think Anything of playing with a carrot You know, I'd be like, oh yeah, why not you know, um, but it does say a lot about where Sasha's head is about some things. He doesn't have to live in the same world that our mall rats have to, where they really have to make their food last. And um yeah, he's just, he, he doesn't have to live in their same reality. He moves around all the time. He doesn't have to make things work in one location where you have to bring food to you. He can go to food. He can go off and find it. And so that's why he's really taken aback when it's pointed out that he probably shouldn't with it but if you'll notice the kids And Trudy they didn't think anything wrong about it Either mm-hmm. they thought it was perfectly Harmless what he was doing um, And I do think in the long run Most of what he was doing was harmless But it's so Sensitive and he keeps mm-hmm. playing With these people's food <laughs> It's like what
1: Sasha read the room <laughs> I mean if, if It was like tins and stuff I wouldn't have a problem with it It's just the fact that it's fresh food I mean you're in the city You know it's like short supply Anyway, like, I not know, just playing with it just really rubs me up the wrong way.
3: <laughs> I My only problem he, I have with him playing with the food... I think it's cute that he's dressing up the food and his puppets mm-hmm. and stuff. My problem is he's poking holes in the food. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that will make it go bad a lot fast. Like, if you get yourself a gourd or a pumpkin at Halloween, if you leave it alone, it'll last you two months without any problems. But if you start poking holes in it to either carve a face or... You know, just anything to decorate it It dies a lot faster, you know And Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with food that needs to last Why would you mangle it in any way Even if you think it's being harmless Um, You need it to be able to stay in the food cupboard For as long as freaking possible They don't even have a cold storage You know what I mean? (laughs) I do think he's just being a little Hey, this is somebody else's food Take it easy, guy, you know (laughs)
4: He should have paid more attention to it, and you know.
3: Granted, in
4: his defense, it's
3: not like Trudy or Celine said, "Hey, we don't do that here." <laughs> so, so he's clearly thinking, "Oh, it's fine. You know, it's okay. I'm not you know, anybody."
4: You know, normally Celine would have probably cook this in the evening. But uh, yeah, he is being a little
3: frivolous with a very sensitive item of someone else's which maybe he just has, he doesn't stay in one spot for very long. He doesn't stay with groups of people for very long. So he has no home training. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I was just going to just, uh, I was just going to say that I think that situation pretty much sums up his experience that he's had in that pandemic of not really being a part of a tribe and kind of always flying solo on his own. Yeah. Cause he only had to feed himself.
4: <laughs> yeah. 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 And, Obviously, he just goes to tribes, plays his music, makes him laugh, gets a free meal out of it, and goes on. Yeah, he never has to worry
3: about tribe dynamics and peer modeling, any of that. He doesn't have to ever be concerned about how his behavior might be affecting other people or how their effect- behavior affects him. He's never there long enough to deal with that. Just him and his horse. Yeah, who abandoned him. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 about that relationship, <laughs> I, mean, I I still believe the horse sabotaged them and said, "I don't want to be with you anymore." <laughs> 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 I don't <want> the music. <laughs> You're a terrible entertainer. I'm out of here. Um.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where he got that horse.
3: That is a good question. Where did he stumble upon that beautiful horse? Like, was it yeah. something his family owned, or did he just stumble upon a horse and knew how to ride it? Because he he knows how to ride one. Um, but mm-hmm. then again, maybe there was a montage we never saw where he taught himself how to ride a horse. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: I don't put it past Sasha.
4: <laughs> I would have loved to see that though. You know, him trying to get on the horse, falling down a couple of times. We
1: need a montage. That would be quite cool to see, like more tribes and characters using horses i know we we'll get a little bit later on but pretty interesting see now that's just in my head that sasha this is a kid who got into his head
3: that he was going to learn how he came upon a horse and decided to teach himself how to ride one and try to train this horse <laughs> another fanfic to add to
1: the pile
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering where you were why i just wanted to spy on me what a cheek Selene, I'm trying to help. Harass me more like. I can't even move. So what were you doing? Actually, I was helping Ryan with something. Oh, not that it's any of your business. Are you sure that's all you were doing? I couldn't have a binge if I wanted. The food stall has got a great padlock on it now. So you did go back. Yes, I went back. And you meant to rate it. Yes, I meant to rate it. Satisfied? Nobody could get in there, not even Lex. So I'm safe now, all right? Happy? So you can stop hounding me, can't you?
1: Sticking with the subject of food, let's move on to Celine. So, with the latest raid on the food cupboard coming to light, she pleases with Trudy not to dob her in. And later, we see her frustrated when there's a new padlock that's been fitted to the food cupboard. So she decides to snap at Trudy for following her around. Um, we spoke about her believing before, but let's take a new angle on this topic. Um, panel, do you think that the show has managed to really capture her feelings of worthlessness? Um, or do you think they could have done more to get that across to the audience?
4: I think it was quite obviously uh, quite obvious that she felt worthless. But I would have loved to see more of it. You know, To more highlight the things he's going through, the things he's thinking. Just, you know, what really triggers this except massive guilt. I
3: agree with that. Um, I... Because I can't speak from a child's point of view. I don't know if a child would have been able to pick up on her self-esteem issues or why, where they might come from. You know, as an adult, I can speculate exactly why Celine is this way and what happened to her. You know, I, you know, as a psychology major, I can really put the pieces together on my own without the show's help. But I do feel like the show could have done more work to explore why Celine feels this way. And, but at the same time The show didn't bother to really It doesn't bother to show us why Lex is so abusive You have to speculate that he himself was abused So, you know, the show doesn't tell us Why Amber feels like she needs to Take care of everyone You know, they don't give us any insight To these kids' backgrounds So I guess Celine suffers from that too We're not told why she feels so worthless And why her self-esteem is so low And, you know um, So we have to just I guess that makes sense because if you're a child And you meet people like this You don't know why your bully is bullying you You don't know why people treat you The way they do because you have no insight into mm-hmm. their life You just get the Ramifications of their life So I guess you know that, That's why they don't bother delving into it But I personally I'm with you Sabine I would have liked to see More of why Celine feels so badly about herself and what happened to her to make her feel this way i feel like i have to piece her backstory together with scotch tape
4: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
3: (laughs) and of course you don't really know until later seasons why it's so bad you know um right now you only know her dad abandoned her that's it. That's all you know. And it's not till season three that you know her mother was verbally and mentally abusive. So you're this whole time just trying to figure out what happened to Celine. And it comes across as she's only feeling this way because she feels guilty for having done what she did to mm-hmm. Trudy. But it's obvious that this is deep seated. And even without what happened with Trudy, Celine would still have these issues. What happened with Trudy was just a trigger. But it certainly wasn't the cause of this. I feel bad that she's manipulating Trudy and using their situation to keep Trudy quiet. Um, it's not likable and it's not fair. And But at the same time, it almost feels like karma is biting Trudy in the butt because this is exactly how she treated other people. So she's just getting a taste of her own medicine. And I think that's why Trudy's putting up with it. Because she knows she did not treat people very nicely and that she was emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like she feels like she deserves to carry this burden with Celine. And it wouldn't be right for her to, you know, daub Celine in. Because you can see that on her face. Like, Celine's being, <laughs> <laughs> she crossed the line a few times where I'm just like, Trudy, totally tell on her. You, she, she broke the bargain with you. You can totally tell mm-hmm. on her but you can t- see Trudy's thinking it through like maybe that's what I this is what I have to do to make up for how I treated her I mm-hmm. or something
4: and there is just that that tiny moment when you see Trudy approaching Amber that I actually thought she was going to tell her at first i'm sure it's
3: definitely crossed her mind she doesn't like lying for Celine. i mean she even says how do you think i felt knowing that you were the one doing this and that someone else could be blamed for what you're doing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And the strife it's causing. Because honestly, something like this causes way more problems than, say, the stupid drama between Tyson, Lex, and Zandra. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The fact that there's someone stealing in your tribe, that can really implode the group. Having to be quiet about it. I thought for a second she was going to tell Amber, too. Like, yeah. she didn't know how to deal with this. And
4: I think if Sasha hadn't been there, she might have. Maybe. She know yeah. got an amber on her own. She might have spilled, but
3: I did think Celine's feelings of worthlessness were interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, they don't really explore them that often, or again, like when she's telling Trudy, "Don't be nice to me. Treat me. Say, tell me I'm rubbish." I'm like, "Holy crap! What? What have people said to you in your life, Celine? That that you would rather hear that than hear someone give you a chance or tell you that." You know, just because you're dealing with this affliction doesn't mean you're worthless, you know. But they don't ever really go down that road with her again. They don't ever explore it in the future. So it's like, an, it feels like another one of those afflictions a character has that they conveniently sort of get over. Mm-hmm. But then again, I still don't really feel like they handled the bulimia story that great. So, I mean, that's just like a personal thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think that they managed to get it across vis- um, like visually, like with the makeup? Um, like trying to make sunken Like Around her eyes and stuff Do you think they managed to get that across to you? Oh absolutely, she looks like she's sick Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's, like, she's kind of sweaty
3: <laughs> Like she's coming down from her cocaine high <laughs> She's not looking very good She's very pasty, the sunken eye Yeah, the, the makeup's doing her no favors She's looking pretty bad and it makes her eyes pop and look all vulnerable and needy and so it works visually. <laughs> and uh the actress is really working v- Victoria. She's working her expressions. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: She's really good at popping the vulnerable eye. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like an orphan from Oliver. <laughs> oh please sir can i have some more (laughs) and she's got a manic energy to her i thought victoria did really good with that too like you can tell she's she's just not okay physically all her mannerisms and stuff she's not in control of herself and is willing to do whatever it takes so she can continue this unhealthy relationship she's got with food you know and it's so weird because she goes from needing to eat it just from the conversation she had with trudy Or she's begging her not to tell anyone and that she's going to try. And her reaction to that is to immediately run to the food store. Only to be frustrated at the padlock and bang on the door. To when they're actually eating. When there is food available, she's lost her appetite. Mm -hmm. I can't eat. I need to leave the room. Like, wow, that is... Yeah, it's a very unhealthy relationship she has with food.
4: The moment he refuses her food, if it was just really not being able to eat or... The amount of guilt he felt, being surrounded by people who had to do, had to eat less because of what he's done.
3: Yeah, it, it says a lot about. Again, I I feel like, even though I don't believe the bulimia storyline was seeded earlier, I don't believe it was foreshadowed. I I do feel like her emotional relationship with food has been very properly portrayed. Because mm-hmm. whenever Celine is feeling a certain way, she treats food relative to how she's feeling. So,
0: mm-hmm. this is
3: the first time we've seen her refuse to eat because she feels so bad, you know? And um, so, and I agree with you, it, it can't be easy to eat when she knows she's the reason that everybody's complaining about not having enough food. But of course, you know, later she'll want, she'll be, she'll, she's gonna regret not eating that food, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Sasha, I can't think about weddings. We've got a thief. This could break up the whole tribe. A wedding's just a thing to pull people back together again, Amber. Golden opportunity. Go for it. I don't believe in marriage. So what? Soften up, Amber. What's your romance? Sasha, I'm the leader. I can't lose my head just because zondra has gone all starry-eyed. Have you never been starry-eyed? It's none of your business. You wouldn't be losing your head, Amber. You want to hold the tribe together? Okay, give them a focus. Stand up there in front of them and unite them.
1: Let's move on to Sasha. So um, with Ryan, Trudy and the children all feeding the finger of suspicion for the food thefts at some point throughout this episode, Amber is worried that the latest crisis is going to tear the tribe apart. And throughout all this, Sasha acts as a counselor to Amber. He latches on to and Lex's wedding as an event to bring the entire tribe together. And he performs a moral play to the younger tribe members on the evils of stealing. Um, Yeah. A couple of questions, but first of all, how important a role does he play in the tribe during this whole crisis?
4: I think he actually had a substantial role in it at this point, because he's the one comforting Amber, pulling her heartstrings, making her softer side come out. And on the other hand, the children like him a lot. They look up to him. He's able to relate to them through his stories. And yeah, I think his story about the fox helps them understand more about why it's wrong, what can drive a person to do bad things, and that they should resist such urges. So I do think he plays a substantial role in the whole storyline for this.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think it was really good for him to communicate with uh, communicate that, especially with the younger members of the tribe, of Chloe, Patsy, and uh, Casey, I guess. But. um
0: because sometimes you
2: have to describe certain things at a slower pace for those younger ones to pick up on.
4: I did find it funny, though, seeing him tell KC that stealing was wrong and you shouldn't do that. And just the look on KC's little face, that like, oh, <laughs> it's wrong? Really? I like the
3: effort that Sasha is putting forth. Remember, none of this actually matters to him. Um, he's actually kind of surprised when Amber keeps bringing up just how much this could destroy their tribe and this is what living together means. Do you really want a part of that? And Sasha still hasn't decided he does want a part of this. So we know that for Sasha, he doesn't care that somebody's stealing in the tribe because it doesn't really affect him. Uh, but he does understand it's important to Amber. And he's watching her taking on this weight. And the effort he's putting in to lessen that weight and care about something that's important to her, I think is really sweet. Um, Again, this doesn't matter to him, but he knows it matters to her. So if he can help in some way, that's what he's trying to do. And like you said, the kids look up to him. So it's really cool that Sasha uses that position to get across to them what's happening in their tribe right now. Like, he's not just telling them that stealing is wrong. He's also being very empathetic to what causes people to do these bad things so that they can find some forgiveness for whatever tribe mate is doing it. You know, explaining that they're not just, they're not bad people. They just have these bad urges and they're listening to those bad urges and how hard you have to fight to not listen to your bad urges. So I thought that was really nice because if the thief comes out, You don't want everyone turning against them. That's not what Amber wants. That's why she offered for the thief to come to her in private because she doesn't want this to tear everybody apart. So I think it's cool that Sasha is using his influence with the kids to help with that agenda of teaching them about this, even encouraging them in case they're one of the thieves to come forward, but also not to feel like they're a terrible person because they've done this or not judge the person who has done this. And, um, just another little great insight to Sasha, and I do think he's remarkably helpful through all of us. I, I do think Amber needed him as a sounding board to get through this crisis <laughs> because nobody else is offering to be that, not even Bray, who is in love with her, but you don't know you don't see him in any way trying to help her work through this, find out who the person is, or offer support to her. And yet here's Sasha doing that and trying to put a smile on her face and also not treat this like it's the end of the world. And, you know, let's focus on something that can bring the tribe together if you're afraid of it being ripped apart, you know, and uh, it's okay to let go and have some fun. So, yeah, I agree. I think Sasha does play a huge key point in getting Amber through this. He's being as helpful as he possibly can. He's using the skills he has to help. And I like that.
2: Yeah, I agree. It almost, it almost makes me wish that Sasha would have stayed in season two, because I think he would have been a, a great teacher to, to everyone in the tribe, just like how Ryan was teaching people.
4: <laughs> uh, can you imagine though, Sasha and the Chosen?
3: <laughs> wow, that has never crossed my mind. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> How would Sasha have dealt with the Chosen? He would have been great with that puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, could definitely see Sasha as one of the rebels. But I think he, if, okay, if Sasha was around for the Chosen, I think he would have been pretty good at trying to unify the mall rats when they, you know, the ones who were still stuck in the mall.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I think he could have been a very strong unifier because he would not have taken sides. He would have been very empathetic to the people who felt like they needed to join the chosen because they were scared and all that jazz and and yet same i I think he would have been a good like Mm -hmm. uh, piece of that puzzle he would have been an interesting one i think he would have
2: left (laughs) (laughs) kind of like how the beginning uh how ebony just took took her bags and just ran
3: smart girl (laughs) Mm -hmm. am i surprised that tyson is the one to bring up unification via the marriage I want to say I should be, but I'm not just because, like I said, I don't really feel like Tyson's, with her beliefs, again, she just kind of, she treats her beliefs like a pair of gloves that you put on for convenience (laughs) sometimes, you know what I mean? That's what I was thinking. I'm just going to put this on right now and that's what I'm going to preach to everybody, but then she's inconsistent of when she wears that outfit. So, to me, it makes perfect sense that she wouldn't bring this up Because it hasn't crossed her mind Because she isn't consistent in her beliefs at all And it also could just be that she knows it's in bad taste To even talk about the wedding Since she knows that Sandra's still really pissed off (laughs) at her And that she slept with the
4: groom So maybe she should just keep her mouth shut (laughs) I don't think she really thought of it that way I think she just felt, okay, this isn't gonna work Or at least not the way she wanted it to work.
3: Because later she'll show that she hopes the wedding goes well. She really does hope Mm -hmm. that for Zandra and Lex. So I don't think her lack of saying anything is because she doesn't care anymore about them and doesn't want them to be happy. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she was just being tactful and keeping her mouth shut because she recognizes, okay, I caused some problems and I don't want to rock the boat right now if I don't have to. (laughs)
4: But do we ever see her actually do that, <laughs> being tactful?
3: She can be. Like, for example, when Lex had to break up with her in front of Zandra, she could have easily said, Lex, this is BS. You know I dumped you. Yeah, true. But she doesn't. She, she's, she lets him do it to soothe Zandra's feathers, even though she's, like, staring him down and setting him on fire with her eyes. <laughs> so she is capable of tactfulness. <laughs>
2: yeah i agree um i I love taizan but i I mean she's very spiritual but i believe that she's only spiritual when it's convenient for her or when she's pushing her own uh agenda
3: that's it yes she has an agenda and she picks up a spiritual belief whenever it'll further whatever agenda she's interested in at the time Mm -hmm. yep exactly i completely i agree with that completely so if, I, if she wants to sleep with Lex She does it under the guise of Fixing the tribe But when it's brought up to her Well what about Zandra She says oh Zandra has to take care of herself
1: Oh how convenient for you <laughs> I, ha- I have to say That these episodes are making me Like remember I, I, usually, I, I absolutely love Taisan But at the moment I'm like Oh mm-hmm. I know how... <laughs> yeah. how hard it is to like her At the moment <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
3: See now you know how I felt when I had to revisit Bray, and I was like, I used to love
1: season one Bray so much, and now I'm having a really hard time liking him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big like Amber and Bray fan, but like watching rewatching this for the podcast, I'm like, oh my god, he's such hard <laughs> work. Like, <laughs> I can't you. like wow, like open up, tell people what's going on. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> why are you making your life harder? Yeah. On that level, I
4: still think Bray and Trudy deserved each other on how needy they both were.
3: <laughs> <sighs> it is it can be really hard to revisit these characters and I I didn't have to until I started writing fan fiction. And so when I first started writing their stories, I had this one point of view and then I had to go back and start looking at them from a broader scope and how other people might have seen them. And then for example I went from being Absolutely in love with Tysan to suddenly Seeing her and being like oh Okay <laughs> you have some issues
1: Don't you And <laughs> um, what do you think Of the whole um, Animal spirits and Sasha Gushing over Amber
3: Oh, <laughs> it's so cute And I've been, I'm like 100% With her I'm like she is a lioness To the power of 10 <laughs> It's so cute I
4: love it I love his little metaphors <laughs> I completely forgot about it And then when he was saying Different spirit animals for different people I was suddenly left wondering Wait, was he going to say she's like an eagle? Oh, ugh. that would been so gross <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I I thought it was cute. I I admit. I thought it was really adorable and because it's it's he's admiring her, you know what I mean? And he's telling her how amazing she is, but not because she's gorgeous or just because he feels lustful for her. He's letting her know how much he admires her strength mm. in a very sweet way. And I, I just think that's really nice. And I think that's something Amber can respond to. She's not the type of girl who wants a guy to just say, You're pretty or you're hot. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to be admired for her her attributes, you know. And here's Sasha doing that. You know, the way he... The puppet show with the fruit. The way he describes her as the warrior, you know, who came in and saved Chloe. And um, he just... He thinks so highly of this young woman that he just met. And I do think that's important for Amber to have right now because she's, she puts everything for this tribe and it's very little appreciation for it. And here comes this guy who's like, do you realize how amazing you are? How wonderful you are? And again, he's not basing it on something shallow. He's basing it on something that Amber takes pride in too. She is proud of her strength and her fighting spirit. And that's what he's telling her is great about her. So I,
4: I think it's adorable. <laughs> I did like Tyson jumping in there at that point with her. Yeah, a cat. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> a cat. <laughs> yes, you are. She was instantly agreeing and confirming to the children that he was right and that people do have spirit animals. <laughs> I also like that people have spirit vegetables. I think that's crazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he was really cute with that too. celine is totally a potato. She is a comfort food, you know? I love what he said about Trudy being broccoli. Cooked just right. It's perfect and sweet. And if you don't do it right, it turns to mush. It's adorable. I thought I love the fact that Dal was a radish. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. This is such... This is so cute, these comparisons. Zandra is a stock of celery. Hardly needs any dressing at all. I mean, that is so perfect. (laughs) Tyson is a cat, absolutely. One minute she's purring in your lap, next minute she's staring at you in disdain. When you die, I'm gonna eat you, just so you know.
1: (laughs) And she clearly has no life. That is true. (laughs) So let's get back to Celine. Um, needing a new source of food, she follows a skateboarding Bray to the docks and discovers a fully stocked warehouse after he tells her earlier not to come along. Um, First things first, what did you think of Celine suddenly leaving them all and managing to track Bray?
4: I was so surprised, because how on earth did she manage to track Bray this easily? I know. I mean, I get desperate, but Bray is usually way more careful than that. You know, he never wants to lead people to places he's going.
3: Yes, but we've also already gotten evidence that Bray is really bad at knowing when he's being tracked. True. Because Ebony followed him all the way to the mall and he claimed he never saw her. And never even put two and two together that she was the one who untied him. Well, we could say that because Ebony is a good tracker. But like, ween. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, okay, we have this food situation coming up and it's getting more and more desperate out there. And Bray has already said that he's having to go further and further with field to get food. He says the situation is dire, which means Bray is more desperate and he may even be a little bit more careless. This time he got caught by the demon dogs, got bit by one of them, you know, um... Because he's so desperate to find food, he is getting careless. So this could be speaking to what Bray is going through. He's also distracted because mm-hmm. the girl he has a thing for is being wooed by another guy. And Bray does not have the cojones to do anything about it. So he's got that on his mind. And it also speaks to the desperation and determination Celine is going through. We've already seen that she she's willing to lie to Trudy and say, I'll try. And then the first thing she did after promising Trudy she wouldn't steal any more food was try to steal more food. We've seen what it's doing to her mood that she's basically trying to put the blame on Trudy, even though Trudy is only doing what Celine asked her to do, which is help her and look out for her. Um, so I think it's very realistic that Celine could get into this headspace where she is so determined to find food. That yes, yeah, she would be able to follow Bray, and he, in his distracted state, wouldn't notice that she's following him. I I can't buy that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can buy it a little bit. He had a skateboard. Yeah, <laughs> she's
1: not that fast. I well, okay, how determined she was. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the way the way I look at it is that Celine is a native to that city, and I think with knowing that there's so many tribes and there's a lot of tribes that uh, lack for food, that she kind of knows where in the city that hasn't been touched yet.
3: I sense. don't know about that one because mm-hmm. that's why she wanted Bray to take her with him, with her. Sorry, she wanted Bray to take her with him because. She knew she couldn't take food from the mall anymore, and she had no idea where else she could go find it. Mm -hmm. And that's why she needed to follow him to find his hidey holes. Uh, So I don't think she had enough knowledge to figure out, like, oh, he's going north. Maybe he's going there. She had no idea where he was going, where food would be. I can't give her credit for that one. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, again, maybe it was just one of those shortcuts in the writing. They need to show the kids this is where Celine's head's at, and this is how she gets to point A to point B. Even though, yeah, I agree. How is she tracking Bray on his skateboard um, when Bray ha- when Celine hasn't really shown a skill for surviving in the city? Yeah. But she I mean, she did for a while with the children. So I don't know. And later she manages to survive in the world. I, I you know, I don't know. I can't make an argument, Lance. Sorry, you win. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I got nothing. <laughs>
2: well, you know what? Wasn't Celine trying to track Ryan in, like, season three? Yeah,
3: that's what I'm saying. Like, later she shows some tracking yeah. skills. But at this point, I, I got nothing. Like, <laughs> hmm. I can't defend it. I got
4: nothing. <laughs> she hasn't been out of the mall outside of the... Yeah, we haven't seen her go outside the mall except when they tried getting water, you know? Yeah.
3: And that was simply going to a creek nearby so. With multiple people I don't know how she tracked Bray I don't know, maybe he left her some breadcrumbs It's possible but. <laughs> She's not being very stealthy <laughs> She's in this bright red coat With a beacon of red hair <laughs> Like Bray, just turn around
4: sleeves behind you
0: <laughs> Oh) And what sort of a disgusting, slimy piece of fungus do we have here?
1: Um, yeah, that does give us a, a, what is a brilliant introduction to a new character, um, Rowan. Um, so, as uh, Celine follows Bray to his secret hidey hole, um, Celine finds a place full of food and she begins digging instantly into a tin of peaches before she's interrupted by Rowan. Um, so yeah, panel uh, f- What are your first thoughts about this new character? Frickin- I love
3: Roanne He is one of my favorite periphery characters of all time This actress killed it <laughs> I love her I love her so much I love her look I love her performance Like She's like, oh, I'm only around for four episodes You guys are going to remember me <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such a brilliant intro.
3: <laughs> oh, she's like, what kind of disgusting <laughs> piece of filth do we have here? Oh, I love Roanne so much. I think she's fantastic. I love her whole little tribe. I want to know more about them and how they're getting by. Oh, so- she's fantastic. Yeah, she's definitely one of my favorite one and done characters that we ever meet. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, she's definitely memorable. Uh, when I first watched it, she was giving me, like, Helen Bonham Carter vibes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 She really leans into it, and she makes the most of her performance.
4: And spot on. She's fantastic. I would have loved to see her return in a later season.
3: Oh, I know. It's so sad that we never see her again. You know, I would have really loved her be a reoccurring... Like, we, we constantly see, you know, certain characters from the Demon Dogs, or... Mm-hmm. The logos that keep popping up. I would have loved to see
4: Rowan again. Like, I'm still imagining her running a Liberty type of saloon later,
0: mm-hmm.
4: with a different clientele.
1: A mm-hmm. madam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that brings us to the next question because, like, it's never left. It's never answered. Like, what do you think is, is Bray's connection or involvement with Rowan?
3: I don't think he has a connection with her. I think he, he found, realized there, were food, there was food there and he was stealing. And I think he got out of there just before she walked in. Like she probably heard him and he's clearly been stealing from them bef- for a while. So, you know, she heard someone in the storeroom. I was like, oh my gosh, I bet that thief is back. I'm gonna silently creep in there and see who it is. But Bray got out in time and ran off. And of course, Celine walked right back in. So that's who she found, and is thinking that Celine is her thief. Uh, oh, so I don't oh. think Bray had any connection with them. I think he was just stealing from them, like he did the Demon Dogs. And Celine got the she's the one holding the bag because that's the way Rowan looks at her. Like she's not surprised to see Celine because she was expecting to find the thief that keeps stealing from them.
1: Oh, I never saw like that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm.
4: I just always assumed that. Bray might have been trading stuff with her that
1: he got from other parts of the city. That's that's what I assumed due to Lex's earlier comment um about not wanting to find his uh, secret places he goes to. Yeah, that's what I thought he was trading somehow or something. I don't know what he was trading. <laughs> but yeah, at, at, at some point I did consider if
4: Bray wasn't trading trading goods but his own body for food. <laughs> but you know it's Bray. You never know with him. But he does have some standards and morals, so. I don't think that would have been the way he would go about that. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Yeah, I never got the, the sense that he was trading with her. Uh, just the way he sneaks in and sneaks out. And in the same episode, we just saw him stealing from the demon dogs. I think that they were emphasizing that he's still stealing from people and not trading with them. Not to mention, uh, we have the conversation about the wind turbine where Dal, you know, says pretty soon we'll be able to just trade for food. And you know Bray's like great I won't have to do what I'm doing anymore So I don't think Bray is trading with anyone At this point because he has nothing to trade Though Bray trading his body Is very interesting. <laughs> it's a great concept <laughs> uh, But yeah I don't think he was actually Trading with Roman. I think he was stealing from her
4: Maybe that's what he meant with That he didn't have to do what he was doing anymore <laughs> <laughs> I don't live this life of sin anymore <laughs>
2: <laughs> when I first watched it, I kind of thought that Bray might have been a like a mercenary for that tribe a little bit, since he doesn't have much to trade, but he can just do odd end jobs for them. <laughs> he needs to if they need him to steal something or, oh, or yeah. see what type of tribes live at this location or how many are there, you know, something like that.
4: Are we sure you've been secretly trading stuff from Sandro's lingerie stash?
3: Yeah, <laughs> bray trades and <in> secrets <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. I just now I just love the idea of bray trading favors, you know. So he goes to Roanne, and the way he gets truth from her is he gives her information about these people, and okay, this is what I've learned about the demon dog farm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it,
3: it makes sense to me. I think Bray would have to be a little bit more proactive for me to believe that in him, though. Because he's only getting food because Amber conned him into doing it. And he won't even tell her he's in love with her while he's watching another guy win her over, so... (laughs) I was thinking, Bray, you don't actually have enough uh, cognitive, critical thinking to act on that. (laughs) And maybe that's where he
4: took off took out his frustration. Jeez!
1: (laughs) It's dark, Sabine. I mean, speaking of dark, what do you think of the concept of introducing a brothel? Brilliant. Brilliant and
3: about time. Absolutely. We've already touched on slavery. We've even touched on the evolution of how slavery would work in this world. From, you know, singular tribes hunting slaves down to there actually being a slave trade with slave auctions. Yes. Next up would be the sex trade. Unfortunately, skin would be on the market. If you have nothing else to sell, you can only sell yourself. And if you're not being used for hard labor, what else would you be used for? Very ballsy. And that's exactly what would happen to young women like uh, Celine, with, who are desperate, trying to make it in this world. And I mean, of course, it's plenty of historical precedent. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what the show does. It picks. You know, just how societies have worked and how people get by and how they survive. And hello, this is exactly. I'm I'm considering the show. I'm surprised it wasn't introduced sooner and longer. Mm. I'm surprised it wasn't. I mean, granted, obviously they couldn't get away with it. That's why they didn't. But Mm -hmm. um, like this should have been a totally long running theme forever because it would have always been there.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: but um. Kudos to them to even try sneaking this in. I don't know where the censors asleep when this <laughs> batch of episodes went out. I can't believe they let it go through.
2: Well, you know what? There was mentions of it in season five. What may Mm-hmm.
4: Mm. and then we didn't get a season six. <laughs> Maybe the censors woke up. So
3: yeah, it's a totally natural thing that would happen, and this is exactly what would happen to girls
4: like Celine. Mm. And no, you meant no. I mentioned it. Yeah, I can see May in a similar position. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. When you have nothing to sell, you know, what can you sell? If you're a pretty face in this world, you know, they're either going to take it or you give it willingly. Mm-hmm. And even just the way, I mean, next episode, but just what happens to Celine is so true to life when it comes to the skin trade and what,
1: how people end up in it. Um, I know we spoke a little bit about Celine's kind of determination and state of mind earlier, but how did you you think of that scene where she just immediately digs into the food instead of taking it away with her?
3: Again, I've already expressed that I don't like the way her bulimia manifests physically, Mm. and I don't think it's realistic, but I understand the writers were limited in how they could show this, like where her headspace is and her behavior with food not being normal or healthy. So I get it. If, you, if a kid sees you digging into a can like this, they're like, wow, something's not right with her. That is not a normal behavior with food or a healthy relationship with food. So I feel like they exaggerated it so that mm-hmm. the audience could get it, even though I don't personally care for it. It drives me. Yeah. Bananas.
2: yeah, I agree. I thought it was a little bit unrealistic, but at least it was consistent because she would always do that.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I was just like Celine, you're supposed to be hiding this condition, and you suck at it. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not how you do it. <laughs> but if I was nine, you know, I'd be like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> she has a really unhealthy relationship with food. <laughs> she really wants that te- that can of tinned peaches. She's mm-hmm. not just hungry. There's something wrong with Celine. You know." because if she just took it I don't I think that would have definitely flown over the head of younger viewers cuz they would mm-hmm. just think Celine was stealing food cuz she was hungry and they wouldn't know why she was so hungry but that's how they would reason it but when you show her acting like this with food even a kid is like that's not okay there's something wrong even though yeah I hate seeing it
4: mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, I think it does a good job of just showing where her headspace is, that she's completely forgot that she's someplace she's not supposed to be and she's stealing something that's not hers. She's not even considering getting caught, you know, and it's very consistent with how she's been behaving in the mall. because She's been careless about the food she stole there, where she leaves the wrappers, you know, like they found the, the, the wrappers of things. And it's just she's been completely careless in this. She doesn't, she's once again, as Celine does, she does not think about the consequences until she's facing down the barrel of the consequences. She acts without thinking. So, yeah, this is very consistent with her.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think you said all there is to be said about that. Like, Bray ran out of there for a reason, Celine. (laughs) Maybe you should watch the place for,
3: I don't know, five whole minutes (laughs) before you go inside. You know, give it a half hour. Find out if he's going to be chased or what's going on with the place. You know he got food from there. Give it a look-see, but she's not in her right mind, so there you go. I think that's about it. Uh, Anyone got any
1: other thoughts?
4: I only had a thought about one other line in the episode. Dal mentioning he got something at the supermarket on Main Street. It's just something that stuck with me.
3: Well, I mean, again, it's telling us that Dal is once again willing to leave the mall. To get things. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few people to do that, but it's also still consistent with his character because he's done it at least three times already. Mm-hmm. You know, he went out to find things for the birth for Trudy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gone out for medicine. You know, he brought her back a pram. He made her a basket. He's not afraid to go out if he mm-hmm. feels it's absolutely necessary. So I totally believe Dal would say, I need this barrel, mm-hmm. I need something, a barrel, and just go find it and not tell anybody. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. He didn't tell anybody.
4: I just love how he comes in and just simply says, I found it in the supermarket on Main Street without blinking an eye. Yeah. I kind of wonder if that was the writers who were like, oh, we didn't explain where
3: this barrel came from and we didn't film anything. Eh, not got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the way Jack is acting like a possessive lover with Dal mm-hmm. through the entire episode. He doesn't want to share Dal with anybody. And it's... <laughs> He is so glad to have his boyfriend back that he didn't want Casey <laughs> around. He's so afraid anybody's going to steal Dal's attention. <laughs> he's like, no, it's our project. Poor Casey's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> did you let me up before. <laughs> Jack did not handle Dal leaving him well. He, he didn't. It's like, nothing is breaking us up ever again. I felt bad for Casey, though. Yeah. Because once again, like, this is a great, um... What do you call it? Like, exercise for his skills. That's not the right word, but that's what I'm using. And it's like, just let him do it, Jack. You know, you want to keep him out of trouble. This is great. Let him help you. But again, he's just so jealous of Dal with anybody else that he can't share him with anybody. No, Casey, we're going to do it by ourselves. We don't need your help.
2: Yeah, I agree.
3: I think Casey's a boss for doing it anyway when they were gone.
2: Go mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that would have really helped Casey to... I guess, run in or be with the right crowd, per se, and not stop hanging out with Lex.
3: (laughs) Look at Casey. Look at his behavior and how desperate he is for positive reinforcement. He loves Sasha. You know what I mean? When Bray's reading all the kids' stories, Casey's right there. He wants to hear it. You know what I mean? This kid is desperate for a positive role model in his life. And yet you get the sense that eventually he's going to stop trying, he stops trying to be there with, Jack, even though he wants to. Jack is just so abrasive and rejects him over and over again. Mm -hmm. That eventually Casey just stops trying to connect with these positive role models and goes to the only one that accepts him, and that's Lex. And it's really sad. Yeah. Poor
4: little one. Poor little Casey.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Casey actually says something in season two that I really feel is illustrated. He says, People always blame me for things and I haven't done anything. Look at the way people do treat Casey. They immediately treat him like he's going to be a troublemaker, but he hasn't done anything wrong. Look at the way Bray treats him. He's not nice to Casey, and he—he as he, time goes on, he's going to be mean to this kid for no reason. Which, of course, is going to give Lex the chance to get in there and influence Casey against Bray. Because why wouldn't Casey do something bad to Bray, who's been a total tool to him for no reason? And it's like i i get it the girls didn't want to play with casey they immediately assumed he'd steal their toys and be mean to them jack is mean to him you know what i mean like that is casey's life people assuming these horrible things about him during the chosen takeover same thing his own tribe mates assume that he will throw them all under the bus Mm -hmm. just because he's a bit of a prankster but when has Casey ever truly betrayed anybody that he cared about, you know? And that is his life. People assuming these horrible things about him before he's done anything to deserve it. So I really feel bad for him. <laughs> I
2: yeah, I agree. I think Casey's a, a good kid at heart. And um, I think they're just latching on to his first uh, impression that he, he's made, which wasn't
3: really good. He was just a boy stealing food because he was hungry. He's nine. Give him a break, you guys. <laughs> Watch me revisit this and be like, man, I don't like KC. <laughs> 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 I
4: thought I did, but I don't. Oh, but he's got so many cute moments later on and where he actually does save the day and he doesn't get the credit he deserves for that. Yeah.
3: And then he's just unceremoniously gone and I miss him. I'll miss him forever. And then we'll see him in a cage with Alice. That doesn't exist, as far as I'm concerned. It didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. What? What cage? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, since we're at the end, (laughs) I wanted to mention my favorite line of the episode.
4: Sandra, shoot the confetti out of (laughs) (laughs) hair. Yeah, that was great.
3: (sighs) (laughs) That whole conversation is just so brilliant. Amber's so concentrating on the cans. Zandra's helping but she's just off in the clouds. And it's, it's a good conversation. It's great exposition. You know, explaining what's going on and what's happening. And I just love, like, Amber's like, shake the confetti in her and tell me how many cans we have of this, please. I'm like, yes, yeah, Zandra would have confetti in her hair.
1: Cute. So that brings episode 31 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And we'll see you next time for 32. So, until then,
4: bye. Bye.
1: Goodbye.
4: (laughs) Bye.